morning, crypto. Good morning, warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got Gonzo, also known as Super G, joining us on this Tuesday. Mario, aka the Node Defender, is here, and we'll have Johnny Crypto joining us later in the episode, so I'm very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how the Solana network went down once again this morning for the first time in nearly 12 months. We're going to discuss the possible impacts of the Solana ecosystem and what it means for other cryptos overall. We're also going to break down how Monero was being taken off of Binance starting in May because of privacy tokens and we're officially going KYC. And with the Ripple versus SEC lawsuit coming out yesterday, we'll break down the details showing you how the new financial statements requested by the SEC will have an impact in a possible settlement with the SEC. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Gonzo, we do have some exciting news for today. And I think this is going to be more of a positive episode than it was yesterday. So first of all, how are you feeling, my friend? And thanks for being here. I'm doing good, man. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Uh, it's been nice. Like, you know, the, early this morning, Mario and I did a Blondo Crypto. And then just being around you guys, like just the positivity, it's made me feel a, a, a lot better. So just excited to be here with you guys, man. Love you guys. We appreciate you, Gonzo. That's for sure. And Mario, I'm excited to have you too, my friend. First of all, how are you feeling? We got the Solana outage to talk about. We're going to talk about XRP, but the attack on privacy coins is another very important detail we're going to break down. So how are you feeling? And thanks for being here. I'm feeling great, Abs. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Hope you're all doing amazing. Uh, like I said on Ablando Crypto this morning, I'm super excited today because I get to spend a little extra time with Gonzo. It's been weeks since we've been able to communicate. So obviously happy to be here with you, Abs, and, and, and Johnny K very soon too, and everybody in the chat listening now and in the future. Absolutely, guys. And we'll have the Italian Stallion joining us very shortly, but we already got 261 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And we're going to start this thing off the same way we always do by checking out the Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That is at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. Go smash that follow button for updates all throughout the day. When we check out some of our daily movers this morning, it is green bubbles across the board. We've got Flare Token down about 9%, Chainlink down 4%, but HBAR is up 5% and Ethereum also up about 2% on the day. When we look at our Merlin market update this morning, we are sitting at 1.64 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 51% dominance. Ethereum is about 17%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 43,100. Ethereum is 2340. Solana is below 100, sitting at $95, which considering the outage is actually fairly well. And we got XRP sitting here at 50 cents this morning. Gonzo, I think we should get the Solana news right out of the way because the, the network went down once again. And this is something people in the community are very familiar with. So just sparing everyone the details, Solana Network went down for five hours. It is up back and running as of 30 minutes ago. So really quickly, Gonzo, I'd just like to get some of your thoughts. Is this something that concerns you as somebody who's uh, watching the ecosystem? Not as an investor, but I know you're very informed. Yeah, no, I, you know, I'm not that worried about it. Look, it, it had been, I, I want to say it's uh, like 22 months. It had been, it'd been a while, right? Since we had an outage. Look, they're still working with the new validator. Fire dancers are still working to come online. We even had issues like considering that all the meme craze that's happened, it, it held up pretty well. I'm not sure what happened this time. 
on why it went down. But if you look at what happened previously, we had some issues with some of the layer twos and with some of the Ethereum when they stopped making transactions. Look, it's new technology. To me, it's just going to give an opportunity when we talk about the price kind of coming back down and retesting that trend line I talked about on my call yesterday, where we could hit that $60, maybe $40 range. These are the kind of narratives that will help get that price back down. And to me, if we hit that trend line again, I'm, I'm dollar cost averaging, man. That's just me, right? It's technology. It's going to do these kind of things. It's going to break down. But the fun, you know, people are going to come out of the woodwork saying it's garbage, it's this or that. But Ethereum, like I think it was a month ago, two months ago, had some problems with some transactions. Some of the layer twos kind of broke down a little bit. It's still new tech, right? So you're going to have issues. And I'm also excited to talk about this, Johnny Crypto. Get ready for an exciting episode. We're talking about Monero, Solana, but of course, the Ripple and SEC lawsuit as well. First of all, how are you feeling this morning, my friend? Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you, Abs. And good morning to all the Warrior Maniacs out there. We love and appreciate you for showing up every single day. And finally, we got the, the, the four horsemen back together. It's been a long time. It's great to see. I see they call him the gangster. Gonzo the gangster in the house and Mario. So what's up, boys? How we doing? We got an exciting show prepared for today, guys. And I honestly want to start this thing off with Jerome Powell before we get into the Ripple information because we are going to break down this lawsuit or sorry, this article on the update from the Ripple lawsuit where Ripple is going to have to share financial statements requested by the SEC, as this is what the judge ruled yesterday. They're going to be forced to reveal documents from 2020, and we're going to discuss if these are securities transactions or if Ripple is just on a path towards a settlement. But let's start off with the Federal Reserve Chairman, Jerome Powell, discussing how right now inflation is outpacing economic growth. And this is something that people in my generation are going to have to become comfortable with. If we continue on this path, we are on the backside of the mountain, Johnny Crypto. It is a long way down this hill. We already got 330 people. Let's hear what Jerome Powell had to say and discuss it. Here we go. The U.S. is on an unsustainable fiscal path. The U.S. federal government's on an unsustainable fiscal path. And that just means that the debt is growing faster than the economy. I have the sense this worries you very much. Over the long run, of course it does. You know, we're effectively, we're borrowing from future generations. It's time for us to get back to putting a priority on fiscal sustainability and, and sooner is better than later. The U S is on. An un so he makes a great point, Johnny, because we're borrowing from future generations. And I think that's why this inevitable shift into blockchain technology, it's not just happening. It's the only solution right now. We're going to have to shift the old guard. And I want to pull up one more quick video. And this is from uh, May of 2021 where uh, Jerome Powell, it's talking about how the Federal Reserve is already investing heavily in blockchain technology and they're building an instant payment system. Here's 19 seconds and we'll go to the group. Here we go. We're also, as you know, investing heavily right now in building a new settlement system for instant payments in the U.S. It'll be the first such major expansion of our core payment system since the 1970s. We found the case for this quite compelling uh, for consumers, businesses, and, and just ensuring that all financial institutions have access to the payments. So what I think is so important here, Johnny, is that Jerome Powell is not caught off guard by this surprise inflation narrative that we're seeing now. Obviously, they're stating that they can't get it back down to 2%. They're already raising rates once, I mean, lowering rates once again, because it's just not going to happen. We're not going to get back to a 2% inflation rate. The best we can hope for is about 4%. So I've said a lot. I want to kick it to you, Gonzo and Mario. What are your, some of your thoughts? Uh, you want me to go to me first? Well, uh, Johnny, look, he, oh, go ahead. Oh, okay. <laughs> we're all over the place this morning. Look. He, it's funny that he was like candid. He's telling the truth, right? Like it's unsustainable. But what the, what does that mean for us, right? For for like that we're invested in this market. It means that they can't make the payment, right? Like with these interest rates, he's going to have to cut 
interest rates, right? And and, and what you need to pay attention to is that uh, bank term funding program that was kicked off when Silicon Valley Bank collapsed, remember, where they were backstopping all of the deposits, that's coming to an end. So we're going to see which banks are kind of hanging out there and close to insolvency because that's going to speed up the clock, right? We probably won't get some kind of cut on the next FOMC, but probably in May, they're going to start trying to, they're going to start cutting because they need to meet, they need to remonetize the debt because they can't afford the payment. So it doesn't matter what posture he takes. That's why the market has been doing so well, right? It's forward looking. The NASDAQ has been up, I think, 13 out of 14 weeks, uh, green candles, right? Because it's forward looking on what's coming, right? And so we're going to get an interest rate cut and that's going to be good for risk assets um, and, 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 you know, number go up. Exactly, Mario. And I think there's two very big narratives. There's a black swan narrative and there's a positive narrative, right? Where things like real estate, crypto, they're going to go up dramatically in price, but that's because things like your groceries are also going to go up dramatically. So I want to hear your spin and we'll kick it to Johnny Crypto. Yeah, I think it's both. I think it's both a uh, positive narrative and then black swan. We're always going to get we're always going to get one or the other or one and the other, right? And I think that we are probably positioned to get a positive narrative before we get a black swan. But as Gonzo was talking about like the Nasdaq and S&P 500, we're we're all we're at those all-time highs. We're at those levels where it starts to get very very uh risky or the chances of it going to the downside start to get very high. And I know that I, I watched I watched some, some of the blockchain backers, and that might be from Blockchain Backer. He's been comparing it a lot with what kind of triggered the Great Depression, and we're getting to those levels. So I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I think we should definitely be uh, cautious. We should have this in the back of our minds. It's very likely that we may get like upside, extreme upside, because of money go as interest rates start to go down money starts to go into these some of these more uh high risk assets and so that's our opportunity for in for us to sorry baby screaming in the background but that's our opportunity to kind of take advantage before we take a downturn absolutely mario and johnny i'm just going to kick it straight to you for some comments here because we've said a lot but look at this blockchain backer chart he's been stating this for a while i've followed blockchain backer all the way before 2020 and I used his Bitcoin analysis to, to create my exit strategy way back before we even had Merlin guys. But he's been calling for this black swan NASDAQ comparison, comparing the Bitcoin price chart and others to what we're going through today. So I just wanted to get some of your thoughts. First of all, when you look at the NASDAQ and the way that the stock market is performing, are you optimistic or pessimistic based on Jerome Powell's statements? No, I mean, listen, you have to start to get pessimistic. When you start to see prices getting overly charge like we are now and you compare some of those charts as bc backer did to the to the stock collapse in 2027 we're getting 29 1929 we're getting very very close to it so it won't surprise me listen things can't go up forever we are going into an election year so they're going to continue to pump the numbers up but right after that election year it can be very very interesting to see what happens if they if they you know if they drop the blocks on everybody so be ready have an exit plan to get out because it's i i don't believe i don't like when we're that high up can't it's unsustainable that's number one number two inflation problem is is huge huge problem can't be fixed because the only people that can fix it the real solution to fixing that problem is government controlled spending and we've seen that congress has been unable to balance the budget for i don't know 20 years since the last time they, they balanced it we're in a very very dangerous spot basically we already know that the dollar's dead. It's been a kiss of death. This is going to be a further kiss of death of it. They will implode the currency. There's nothing else they can do, and something else will have to replace it. And it's not going to be 
XRP or XLM like everybody's hoping. No, it'll be another world currency, whether it's the yuan or the BRICS currency or a basket of currencies. But you're just single-handedly, you're literally living and watching the transition of a dying dying world currency. You're getting to see how it happens and what it's going to look like when we hand it over to uh, the next you know, champion who's going to take this over. What you're also going to learn is the pain involved in being in living in the U.S., being, you know, the benefiter of living in a world reserve currency to not living in a world reserve currency. It's going to be a different lifestyle for many, many people. And we're going to go down the Ripple and XRP rabbit hole starting right now, guys. But we already got 408 live listeners here. Show us some love and smash that like button. Johnny Crypto talked about something important. The biggest narrative on Twitter right now is, is XRP or is XLM going to be that replacement currency? There's a lot of really good information we're going to break down. So I'm going to go rapid fire on three tweets, and then we're going to get into that article. Because we're going to break down an IBM and Stellar partnership that is already happening today. This took place back in 2021. IBM and Stellar are creating a global payments network named Worldwire, and this is going to be used for instant instant payment transfers all across the world. Basically a direct competitor to what Ripple's doing, yet we never hear about this narrative, Johnny. And I want to dispel the rumors right now. Oh, is it just Stellar and not XLM? XLM is the bridge currency here. They reference it and they even call it Lumens, which I thought was funny. Nobody calls Stellar Stellar Lumens. But here's what we're going to get into next is Ripple's expansion into the USA and how because of what nations have done over the last 12 to 14 months, Johnny Crypto, the United States is going to have no choice but to adapt. And we already see BRICS nations announcing they are using XRP in small amounts of volume. We're talking a million dollars, $5 million, even $50 million in volume, but that's nothing in comparison to what we could see after these floodgates open. Let's start with this video right here where this man And his name is Jim Willie on Twitter. So very interesting. He's a doctorate. And he's talking about the economic situation of XRP and BRICS Nation. Here we go. So think of it as a palette. Okay, this is your de-dollarization palette. You got the ruble, you got the yuan, you got XRP, and you might have a couple of others over time. That's your palette of de-dollarization options. Okay. I think XRP is going to be that they just announced in the BRICS that they're going to use it as a transition bridge currency, not in heavy volume. And I think, and as they, as they use it, we might see the XRP coin go up in value. I've been saying for a long time, I expect it to go up in value and then they're going to increase the market cap and that will allow them to square their market cap. Increase their number of coins, increase their market cap, and square their total. It's going to be one country after another that uses XRP. Now, I did a consult call. It was somewhere around May, I think. It was a guy from uh, Qatar. And he he said, Jim, I'm an Arab. And you, you see my Arab name. And his English is perfect. And he said, I want you to know that I spend a lot of time in Saudi with my business. Um, He was involved, let's just say he's involved in the support equipment for the oil and gas industry. He was not an oil pumper. He was not a gas pumper. He was in the equipment. He said, I spent a lot of time in Saudi and I spent a lot of time in Bahrain. And, you know, we don't pronounce it right. It's Bahrain, Bahrain, Bahrain. Okay. He said, Bahrain is really interesting because... 
They allow liquor and bars. They allow dancing and discotheques. They allow bikinis on the beach. And they got some ladies who take it all off in certain strip clubs. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Gentlemen clubs. Yeah, they're, they're gentlemen. I forgot. Um, he said they're using XRP all across the Persian Gulf. And I said, tell me where. He said, you see it on cell phone bills. You see it on water bills. You see it on electricity bills. I said, okay, so the utilities. He said, yes. That was the initial introduction. He said, it's several monarchies in the Gulf. And I said, how about for contract and business? He said, yes, that has begun a few months ago. I said, tell me if this is a typical kind of example. There's a construction site. There's a lot of different construction suppliers and the cement supplier bills like hundreds of thousands of dollars in XRP. He said, yes, they've begun to do that. Individual contractors are billing with XRP payment in XRP. I said, okay, so this is a trial. And I said, and UAE is behind this. They're the ringleader. They're the manager. They're the, the band leader. They're in charge of setting it up, trying it out, requesting it, researching it. He said, yes. I said, I heard they spent $230 million setting up the digital architecture for the Gulf payment system. He said, yes, that's true. You so you're hearing this right correctly, Johnny. They're building the ecosystem. And if anybody has the money to do it, it's Ripple. Now, don't judge the messenger. If what he's saying. <laughs> Bro, dude, <laughs> this guy's killing me, man. Look at that wall, dude. Like, like it, <laughs> He literally is pitching XRP. People are going to sell all their bags, bro. They're looking at this guy. I don't know what he's got going on on that back wall with the sacrifice of what or dude, he's creeping me out. Listen, we do. We never endorse sacrificing on this show, guys. But in the name of XRP, no, I'm only kidding. And we have 480 people here. <laughs> Let's keep it serious, Johnny Crypto, and talk about what he actually said. When you talk about utility entering the market, right, there were a couple things that stuck out to me. First of all, we know there's clarity in the UAE. We know that they have clarity in Dubai and some of these jurisdictions. So they are using cryptocurrencies for things like utility. Maybe there's a list of assets and XRP is just one of them that you can pay with. Maybe you can pay with Ethereum, Bitcoin, Solana, Chainlink, and XRP. And he's only telling us about XRP, but I thought that was something that's important. Also, he talked about how in the Gulf, they are making cross-border payments seamless by setting a $230 million network up that Ripple paid for. So really, really interesting that they're creating the ecosystem for itself. But I'm going to give you the floor and we'll kick it to Mario. What's your thought? Well, Abs, first of all, thanks for introducing us to Dan Pena's brother. I didn't know Dan had a brother. We actually found him. That was him, by the way, guys. That was Dan Pena's brother. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know who the hell that was. But, you know, listen, regardless of who it was, the point is, listen to the words. There's some some really nuggets, good nuggets there. At the end of the day, adoption is really the key. It's what we're looking for. It's what we care about as an XRP holder. And when you think about adoption and you think about how it happens, one of the best ways to do it is to build it into something that people are, are familiar with, comfortable with, and comp, com, confident with. And if I end up getting my electric bill coming home and it's, oh, I have to pay it in this, and I get another bill, a utility bill, oh, I have to pay the same thing. You start to automatically, it starts to, first of all, you're like, what the hell is this? What is XRP, right? That's your first reaction. Then your second reaction, oh, it's the electric company. So, you know, it's legit. And then it's the next thing, you know, it's legit. So it's a smart, smart way to build out adoption is start it with things that people trust started in small pieces, something simple like that. And then the next thing, you know, what happens next? You're like, Oh, okay. Well, I paid my electric bill in the XRP. 
Now I'm going to pay my contractor an XRP. It's just a natural, uh, you know, next step of evolution or towards adoption. So I think you're going to see something happening there. You know, that's, you know, they've got the money, they've got the backing, and we knew it was going to start in some country. So no surprise there. I think it's the right way to go. It's actually should get XRP holders should actually be excited. Forget the messenger. Forget what's on the back wall. Listen to the words. It's exciting to hear what's going on on the other side of the world and how they're doing adoption. Now, pay attention and look to see if you start seeing those things happening in the U.S. Then you can get really excited. You know that market cap he's talking about? And the UAE, it might grow like that. But in the U.S., that so much going to grow like that. That's what you're looking for. And I think I'm more excited about the utility, Mario, than the fact that he's talking about how you know, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of he said, she said narratives like, oh, I had a conversation with this guy and he told me this like with no real evidence. But I did take away the fact that he talked about numbers. 230 million is what Ripple had spent to build an economy down there for XRP and and just an e digital ecosystem in general. So what were some of your biggest takeaways? And we'll close it out with Gonzo. Well, I, we know we know the development of the Ripple is doing in that part of the world. We know that they've continued to make partnerships. They continue to open corridors. The utility is is something that like we have so much proof of all the utility that's being created around xrpl and primarily from ripple but it's being created around the xrpl so it would be of no surprise if all of a sudden we start to get like real world adoption so i i wouldn't be surprised if xrp becomes this massively world adopted uh, asset through ripples technologies or however that might be you know all the cbdc's there's so much stuff going on there but i think it's important to also stay grounded. I, I feel like right now in the XRP uh, community, there's a little bit of a division. We have those people that are extremely maxis, kind of how you have with Bitcoin and you know all they see is XRP. And then you have the people that, that are under fire for kind of being open to other cryptocurrencies. And I think it's important to stay grounded. I'm more of the opinion that you need to, to be diversified just because we know that there's, as Johnny needs a reference that Johnny uses all the time, multiple horses in the race, because you don't know which one ultimate that can ultimately win. And I think that we're in a, we're in an industry, the crypto market where multiple horses can win because this industry can touch so many different sectors of economy. So many different sectors of, uh, of like the technology we've got gaming, we've got cross-border payments. There's just so much stuff happening that I think that we can definitely have multiple horses win as that race. But I think that we do need to see, coming back into XRP and Ripple, I think we do need to see more innovation, more adoption of XRP or Ripple uh, as far as partners in the United States. That would definitely be a game changer. And I know because of the impact that the United States has in the world, it would also be like a, a sort of a clarity or a pass and it would it would give other countries more more confidence or other business institutions more confidence into their products absolutely guys and i want to point out this article as well before we kick it to gonzo saudi and the uae roll out the red carpet for crypto as the us has given it the cold shoulder well let's look at the, this from the digital asset investor here in saudi arabia the emphasis on crypto is part of the country's saudi vision for 2030 which aims to diversify the economy and make it a hub for crypto innovation in the UAE, Garlinghouse said, the country has created so-called financial free zones or areas largely free of taxes and strict regulation. Think about that. And I just wanted to point out that one sentence. There's a couple other references we'll make here, Gonzo. But think about that in and of itself. If you can go somewhere and pay 15% less on your payments because of taxes, you're going to naturally migrate into that jurisdiction. So it's, it's another thing that the U.S. has working against it. What were some of your biggest takeaways from the clip as well as those articles? Yeah, you know, like if you look at the big content creators in our space, a lot of them do live in Dubai. 
that they're becoming very, you know, crypto friendly and they're a very wealthy, you know, country. Right. And so it makes sense, especially if there's a, a better way of doing things. Um, look, uh, I'll say this, like David Schwartz talked about this, like, you know, we, we have the whole payments kind of area, but they need to expand on that. So any kind of actual real use case and other things that they can build that use it is great, right? Because eventually it'll translate to price action, right? Um, the, the thing that I don't like about like, you know, Mario kind of hit on this a little bit about like maxis or whatever. And I think that's dangerous is that they never open their minds to the thought that we could be wrong, right? We could be wrong, right? That's why it's good to diversify. Like, look, hey, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that at the end of the day, XRP is the only one that has regular clarity and we wake up tomorrow and they absolutely banned everything else, right? Ethereum, everything else goes out the window. Maybe you're left with XRP Bitcoin. Hey, I'm positioned for that. Great, right? But maybe we're wrong. Maybe after the court case, maybe there's no real adoption and maybe XRP never breaks a dollar, right? And we're wrong. But I'm positioned for that too, right? And so you just have to diversify and you have to keep an open mind because when you sit there in absolutes and you're just 100% that this is going to happen, you won't see something coming down the pipe that could alter your thesis, right? And you got to keep an open mind. We think that this is going to play out a certain way and more than likely it is. And, and that's how we kind of have our investment thesis. But you got to keep an open mind, right? Because you just don't know with 100% certainty what's going to happen. I agree with you, Gonzo. And I think that we've talked a lot more openly about other projects on this channel for that very reason. People in the community have become overly frustrated. And I think that only happens when you get pigeonholed on a single project. People are making money in this market, guys. There's plenty of projects that have outperformed. If you're all in on a single investment, then like I just said, you're all in. So you don't really have a choice but to have all your eggs in one basket. And you're going to be disappointed until you finally get that price run. We're all, uh, we're all accounting. And we know XRP is going to perform well, guys. We are not pessimists. Get ready for an exciting bull run in 2024, especially when we break down articles like these, because a lot of times we'll see a negative spin on this. We're going to try to put a little bit of a different angle on this news article because this, this is going to help a settlement come forth. Now, is it great for Ripple? We'll talk about it after the article, but I think this is a process in the step of them getting a settlement. I'd love to start with Johnny Crypto right after this article. But guys, we already got 530 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Let me know some of your thoughts, Johnny, as I'm reading through here. Ripple must share financial statements requested by the SEC as Judge Torres ruled yesterday. The statements will help a judge determine if institutional sales of XRP after the SEC lawsuit was filed in 2020 broke securities law, the SEC said in its request. I'm going to skip down to these last two paragraphs, and then we'll come back to the top. Judge, Mad Judge Netburn on Monday compelled Ripple to hand over financial statements for 2022 and 2023, along with contracts governing institutional sales since the lawsuit was filed. Ripple opposed this motion, saying it was ultimate, saying it was untimely and that the regulator had failed to justify each of its requests on the merits. The SEC requested for irrelevant and burdensome post-compliant discovery especially given the close fact discovery should be denied. Well, it wasn't denied, Johnny. It was approved. And like I just said, they're going to have to share documents. Sorry, they're going to have to hand over financial statements for 2022, 2023, as well as the entire time the, the lawsuit was going on. So that's going to date all the way back to December of 2020. Give me some of your thoughts and we'll kick it around the group. What's your initial reaction? Well, you know, <laughs> nice thing is we got Jeremy Hogan coming on next week, so we'll find out. <laughs> we'll get the answers from him on this. That's I'm, a I'm great not, response. That's I'm a mic drop right there. 
I'm not an attorney, so I'd love to hear his take. But it's it's certainly not good that they had you know been sued in 2020 and continued. It sounds like, and, and I'm just speculating here, they continued to sell XRP to institutions. And if they did, I wonder if that's going to build up and be a more of a penalty or a bigger issue uh, by going to do so. Yeah, discovery you know typically happens pre pre court case, so I'm not sure how that works. I don't know if they got a cease and desist saying. After 2020, you're not supposed to sell to institutions. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. So we'll have to see how the whole thing plays out. And I would imagine if they did, maybe that means a larger penalty. But again, I'm, I'm just guessing. Uh, I'm going to kick it straight to Mario here. Mario, yeah. I just wanted to point out this comment too from Peaceful Gamer. He said, think about this. Every time you swap or trade, it's a 30% tax, or you can do it overseas and pay five, right? So it's just, just an immersive game here, but not to derail the conversation. What was your reaction to the Ripple versus SEC article? Yeah, I think that, Look, we if if they if they're smart, which we know that Ripple has obviously got smart people in their in their company, they they did their due diligence to do the right things, especially after they were slammed with a lawsuit. So I have a hard time believing that there could be something unexpected, but there's obviously a chance that there is, and we need to be prepared that there is. But I think that honestly, they they only did what they did if if whatever comes out from from this ruling, like without regulation there was no regulation for them to know even to how to comply with the law so they're always going to going to have that on their side so worst case scenario i'm thinking they probably get a slap on the wrist or a bigger slap on the wrist and they have to pay a bigger fine uh, i don't see it at this point being anywhere in, uh being any type of negative effect on the xrpl or xrp because i think that we've moved past past that i think at this point this lawsuit becomes more of, okay, what's going to happen to Ripple or what's going to happen with uh, how Ripple sold XRP and and that's what's, what's that question here. So I think it's just going to be a, it could be a bigger slap on the wrist if they did uh, something that the courts end up ruling on the favor of the SEC. And so, but it, I think I can't wait for this thing to be over. It's just like this looming cloud that a lot of people are still hesitant and they're kind of waiting for a decision. But, you know, whether it's going to be an open door uh, or like a, a, the floodgates open for, for XRP once this thing is over or not. Let's see. But um, yeah, I think that I think it's just going to be a bigger slap on the wrist. Gonzo, I'm kicking it straight to you, but I'm going to break down something that we're going to talk about later in the show. We're going to prove for a fact, at least according to Stuart Alderati, that the SEC is running an XRPL validator. We have brand new video showing proof of that. But we're also going to talk about another narrative when it comes to this case. I don't want to derail the conversation. So floor is yours, Gonzo, and then we'll break all that information down. Yeah, so I, I think that, um, look, I think it's a fishing expedition for the SEC. Uh, look, they've determined that in, what was institutional sales, right? But there are also exemptions, right? So even if they get the records, if Ripple can show that they were accredited investors, then it's fine. Those sales were okay, right? So there are exemptions. So, um, you know, remember, none of this was fraud. None of this was fraud. This is about breaking an actual rule. And then what is the penalty going to be? I mean, the judge is going to take into account also how much they've already spent in legal fees. It's like $200 million, right? And so, like I said, we have to wait to kind of see how it plays out. But there are, just because they sold uh, securities to institution, institutional sales, it could be okay, right? Because there could be exemptions, one of them being that they sold them to accredited investors that were in the know. And so it was fine. So I think it's just more of maneuvering to where we're, we're, we're going to end up. It doesn't seem though like they're going to settle. It seems like they're kind of still at each other's throats, you know, 
but it could be all just for show at the end of the day. So we'll see how it plays out. Johnny, I'm going to kick it straight to you for some comments because I love that comment that you highlighted in the live chat. But we got 555 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And here's what we're going to talk about next, Johnny. First of all, Hinman was so pressed by Simpson and Thatcher and consensus to give Ethereum a free pass that he purposefully omitted sending the speech to any of the commissioners except for Jay Clayton because it would, it would in his own words, slow the process down significantly. <laughs> Well, you got 15 million bananas sitting on the line. You're going to do everything to speed the process up too, right, Abs? Exactly, Johnny. And this is exactly what I want to show you and get a reaction to because Jay Clayton had a new video come out about the Ripple versus SEC decision. This is from January 6th of 2024. We're only going to play about 20 seconds here, but listen very closely what he says about the ruling. Here we go. Filing you, like last case before you left was against Ripple. Any thoughts you have on how the court judgments came out of Ripple? Obviously, there was kind of a mitigated uh, with some wins for the SEC and some others for XRP and, uh, and, and and Ripple. Like, what's your view on it, looking back at it right now, like two, three years uh, after you left office? Well, look, the, the, the way the court is now, and this is, like, this is a case that has not been finally resolved. Or, yeah. uh, there are appeals and the like. But if you look at the um, distinction I made at the beginning of our discussion, between securities transactions that are for the purpose of capitalism, where I said we have very rigorous regulations, um, and then securities regulation for secondary trading. If you look at what the court did, it said, hey, that capital raising transaction was a securities transaction. Boom, mic drop moment. And I know the audio is a little bit unclear there, Johnny, but what he said is that initial capital raising transaction for Ripple was a securities transaction. And look at the smug look on his face. I'm just going to leave that up while you respond. Johnny, what was your takeaway? And we'll go to Gonzo and Mario. Yeah, I mean, obviously that's his take. And that's what he, I guess that's the story where he's going to stick to why he dropped the case on. I wish the guy had asked him, hey, Jay, why'd you drop the case when you were walking out the door? Why not just leave it to the other guy to drop the case? You know, the new guy that's coming in. That's the question I want to know. If you want to know. The I think you just look at him with this face and that would say it all. Yeah, yeah, you know. But, you know, I want to get to something that I think this is a really great question by our man Arthur here. How can they have a lawsuit without any clarity? I think what you have to understand is when you're the SEC and when you have laws that are written but they're not very clear, that is that that allows them to be able to. So it's, it's so clarity is in the definition of the mind of the beholder. In this case, you know, you've heard Gensler say very many times on, on you know, live. We have clarity. We don't need no laws. It's all understood. It's all out there. These are the rules. You have to follow them, right? The 1943 Howie rule and all that uh, ruling. So the reality is some people's minds, they think there's clarity out there. And that's how you can have these law lawsuits in these cases, because there is a certain law out there and it's just how you interpret it. So hopefully, Arthur, that answers your question and for the rest of our chat as well. Absolutely, Johnny. And Gonzo, I want to go back to this statement as well. Remember what I said before the video uh, Hinman was so pressed by Simpson and Thatcher and consensus to give the Ethereum free pass speech that he only sent it to Jay Clayton because all the other commissioners would slow the process down significantly. What does that mean to you after seeing this lawsuit? This is nearly six years later we're talking about. And this man, he's still got the smug look on his face. So I want to hear your thoughts and we'll go to Mario. Yeah, I mean, he's just, you know, we talked about this yesterday. Dude is very hypocritical, right? He's the one that threw out the lawsuit. Um, it, you know, it, it, he makes it seem like it's a huge win, but it, it it actually is common sense, right? Like the 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 institutional sales, they actually had contracts. 
written contracts, right? Which is the definition of like Howie, right? You need an investment contract. And what she found is like, yeah, they had an investment contract. It's a security, right? But there are exemptions. So I don't know, like it's a, for him, he acts like it's a big aha moment, but it's bullshit, right? Like, you know, what they were going after were secondary sales, right? That's what they were trying to do to reel this thing, to shut this thing down, right? Now they're just acting as, oh no, that's what we were talking about. We weren't talking about secondary sales. That's absolutely what they're talking about. And you see that like, in in the lawsuit against coinbase and then the one that came after in kraken where they're naming these things as securities right um and and, and how they're going after uh coinbase um so yeah those yeah. are my thoughts guys i want to talk about something else a little bit unrelated but this is very interesting because this morning i found some breaking news on quant network where they received a united states patent to connect distributed ledger technology. We got 575 people here. Show us some love and smash that like button. If you're new to this program, you got to shout out our man, Johnny Crypto, because he was telling me about this token way back when we started this show two and a half years ago. And I always give credit where credit is due, just like how Gonzo told me Chainlink last summer. So shout out to everybody on the team. Justin, Quant Securities, Quant secures a new US patent connecting distributed ledger technology in the United States. Quant scored a big win with this United States approval, unlocking the power to seamlessly order transactions across multiple diverse blockchains. This was a post that we were able to find on, I think this is LinkedIn. I believe that's what it's called. And they said, we are thrilled to announce that we secured another patent this time in the United States as we continue our mission to make blockchain simple, trusted, and future-proof. As Helen Kemet, our general counsel said, as a blockchain adoption grows, Patents are vital in protecting the fruits of research and development, and we act as a catalyst for ongoing innovation. At Quant, we view patents as a key way of solidifying our market position as a pioneer in blockchain for finance. So that's really, really exciting because it's in the United States, Johnny. What's your initial reaction? Because you're the one who's who's always talking about Quant. Well, you know, first of all, as I said earlier on, something has to bring all these blockchains together, right? There's going to be solutions that are out there that are going to do it. If you're able to be the guy to patent a a, a way to do that, <laughs> and there's no other real clever way around that, then boy, you're 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 in you're in position to really, really win big in this space for a long time. Now, I'm not saying there aren't other solutions out there, but it certainly is going to help. Uh, quant and their technologies and again at the end of the day the way this has to work is you have to have a you have to have there's no way the entire blockchain um, technologies can can take off and get to the to the the level of adoption and utility that everybody wants without interoperability it has to happen it will happen quant is now in the driver's seat um well they've always been kind of i think one of the big players there as well as link I still think they're both worth owning. Um, I don't think, you know, at the end of the day, the thing about patents is while they're they're great to have, there's always a way around a patent. So from that perspective, you'll see companies doing, but it forces companies now, other companies, to do things a little differently, to innovate a little different, a little harder, sometimes costs a little bit more. But very, very good news for Quant, very good news for all of us as we're all holders of Quant. I'm excited about it, and it, it just further tells you that, you know, interoperability is coming, my friend. And Gonzo, I did just want to focus on the price chart for a moment here, because when I look at where we are in this thing, it's pretty optimistic. Back in 20, I want to get this correct, 2022, we were in the midst of a bear market. Quant went from $44 all the way to this wick at $230 during a six-month period. I was here for it, and this was really exciting to see from the community. Well, now we finished nearly a year and four months of capitulation, 
and we're still just sitting at $100. So when we talk about opportunities in the market, guys, there are plenty of opportunities in the crypto market. And the bull run, it starts this year, but it doesn't end this year. We're going to have plenty of momentum heading into 2025, and we're going to live play it, right? I'm not a fortune teller here, guys. I'm just showing you from a chart perspective, 2024 should not be the end of the bull run. It should be the, the majority of it, if that makes sense, Gonzo. So I'm going to kick it over to you, and we'll move on. What are some of your thoughts? Yeah, you know, it's it's it goes into the thesis of multi-chain or multiple chains, right? That is a very strong narrative. And I think that is the future. That's why projects like Celestia have done so well, Altlayer, Eigenlayer, right? They're all kind of a modular kind of thesis of connecting different points and putting them together to make one blockchain, right? And so I think Quant has a very good real world use case. And like you said, the chart, it's not that bad, right? Like, I mean, we wish we were like backing up the truck at $40, right? But it's held that kind of $100 to $80 level. So it's only double up from that bottom, right? And so I think there's still room to go as this thing, uh, you know, starts to take off as we hit the Bitcoin having and we hit like full swing into the into 2024 and then 2025. And Mario, we're going to play this video right now showing that the XRPL validator is owned and run by the SEC, at least according to Stuart Alderati. And what's funny about this video is it's a little bit old, but it's very, very relevant. I believe this is from 2021. Let me, I'll check the date while we're playing this live and getting responses, but listen to what Stuart has to say about the XRPL validator being run by the SEC. XRP sits, as I said, on an open permissionless ledger. How do I know that it's open and permissionless? Because the chief technology officer at Ripple tells me it is, he explains it to me but I also have hard evidence. The SEC announced about a month or two ago that they're gonna establish a node on the XRP ledger and other open and permissionless ledgers. The SEC didn't call Ripple to ask permission for to do that. They're just going to do that. XRP sits, as I said, on- So pretty interesting, Mario. I just want to- <laughs> Go ahead, yes, that is true. This is what? true. That's yep. I mean, that's well, pretty mind-blowing it's relevant because it's open and permissionless like nothing's preventing anybody from having the software to run a validator right and so they are, were are they are they doing it so they can just kind of monitor what's going on or how it works do, exactly do we know yeah they, they said that they were doing it as a test basically to test the uh the accessibility of a decentralized network like do they have to act is it that simple to set up a validator they proved the case that the xrpl is somewhat decentralized from a validator perspective here but mario or johnny whoever has a response give me some thoughts yeah, yeah, I guess I, maybe they were scanning it so they could figure out how they were going to sue them. How old was this video, Abs? You said this was older. Like, yeah, so like, this was right after the lawsuit took place. I believe it was spring of 2021. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I think at the end of the day, <laughs> you know, that's the thing is, you know, when you talk about permissionless systems, that's that's the whole key of it is being able to have a decentralized system where you can, and that is correct, Chain Quant is chain link agnostic. That's the whole purpose of why it creates interoperability. Uh, but so the reality is, this is you know when you look at when you, you know you hear a lot of people saying that it's it's centralized, you know, or XRP is centralized. But the reality is, it can be decentralized. Anybody can open up a validator. Now it doesn't. The one thing about the XRP validators is, you know, there are no um, what do you call it uh, mining fees, right? You don't get anything for running the validator. Versus like an Ethereum, you know, validator or BTC where you actually get fees. But still, if you want to support the node network and you want to help create that uh, decentralization, anybody can go and open one. And it's pretty hilarious that the SEC actually did it. But to me, I bet you there were some more more reasons behind doing it rather than just seeing whether it can be done um, permissionless or not. 
Guys, put a one in the live chat if you hold HBAR because I'm interested to cover this article for the HBAR community. And Gonzo, let's start with you on this one because this was pretty interesting from this morning. We got an update out of Hedera. As part of a five-year partnership valued at $250 million with the Saudi Ministry of Investment, the Hashgraph Association has announced the launch of a deep tech venture studio empowering companies to develop innovative technologies and solutions. Another win for Hedera. And I'm so happy that we talked about their governing council on the show yesterday, Gonzo. Because this is just another big name from a big partnership added to the list, right? This is very exciting for the HBAR community, and it's $250 million. That's a big chunk of change to start innovating. What are some of your thoughts, and we'll continue. Yeah, it's definitely playing out to be like the institutional kind of blockchain, right? Like we talked about this yesterday about not only the technology being really good, but the way that they're governed with the governance council and the titans of industry in all kinds of different aspects, IBM, Boeing, Google, Chainlink, there's banks that are in there, there's telecommunications, all these different kind of leaders. And so, um, you know, when you see an announcement like that, you know, we've seen in other blockchains or protocols that when they get an influx of money like this, like some kind of grant or some kind of, uh, I forgot what the terminology is for it, we usually see price action go up. So I wouldn't be surprised if some of the HBAR uh, price action uh, starts to go up. But I think overall, it's good. You did the story yesterday about marketing, about the guy that they hired that's an ex-Nike, ex-Red Bull guy, which is really like the only thing that I feel like they're lacking, like the way that they market themselves. Again, this is an attention market. And you know where you have the attention of the people usually is where the money goes, right? And where the narratives follow. Uh, and so if they can get somebody that can get into the, help them with their marketing, um, I think HR is going to do extremely well. Guys, if you want us to cover any Flare Network news today as well, put a one in the live chat. If you don't, put a two in the live chat because we're going to have to decide on some topics at the end of the show. But yesterday, Mario, we played a very short video from the from the co-founder of Hedera, and he was talking about how the governing council is one of the best assets they have. I'm just going to play 10 seconds, and we'll go straight to Mario. Here we go. And so uh, the, the governing council is critical. I think over time, it's going to become the most important factor of why people trust Hedera. Not that you trust. So I just wanted that quote right there because we went through some of the names, Mario, on their governing council list. Google, IBM, Boeing, several other multi-billion dollar tech companies are involved with Hedera. And he stated it himself as a co-founder. That's going to be one of their biggest assets going forward. So let me just get a reaction to all that news and we'll continue. Yeah, I think HBAR probably has one of the most impressive governing councils in, in the entire crypto space at the moment. Just the the... The brands that are involved or the companies that are involved that are massive world-renowned brands, that that's the type of signal that tells me that HBAR is up to like amazing things. And they're one of the technologies that that is definitely here to stay. And, and, it, and then going back to what I said earlier about being diversified, imagine being exclusively in, and I'm not going to say XRP, but like imagine being exclusively invested in Bitcoin. And then a project like HBAR just takes off all of a sudden starts to get all these different adoptions and and use cases and utility and then it runs and it goes on a 10x and you've completely missed out on that opportunity that's what i mean about being diversified i see hbar as kind of this other type of uh of investment and that's the beauty of crypto like we can be we can have so many different projects and, and be so diversified between different sectors that we can win multiple times we can win times and time and time over because this is not just about payments this is not just about you know a, a replacement to gold so it gets me super excited i think hbar is is a tremendous project to be exposed to not financial advice but um yeah i'm excited to see what what comes out in the future for them 
Johnny, I want to get a reaction to this. We are going to break down some other related news. Um, just give me a reaction to HBAR. i got some exciting stuff prepared. Well, you know, Abs, at the end of the day, I always say this. You've got to have multiple horses in the stable. We have no idea which one of these technologies is going to win, which ones are going to be dominant, which ones are going to go away. All of the above is going to happen. And so you're just placing bets here. Hedera is one of those technologies that has one of the fastest transaction speeds out there for payment solutions. Don't be surprised if it gets incorporated or leveraged somewhere, how that's going to work. I don't know where. I'm not going to sit here and lie and tell you I know it does. All I know is, you know, solutions that are unique or solutions that provide high speed, low cost. Those are going to be something that companies are going to be very, very interested in. And so I want to make sure that early on in this phase, until we can start to see the you know, until we start to see more of the tea leaves and they start telling us what can happen, you, you just have to place multiple bets on what you can do. And that's why I like Andrew's there. You know, put two to five hundred dollars. You put a couple hundred dollars in every one of these different things and you wait and you see where they go. And literally, I've got my bags where I've got a good chunk of my stuff. in, But then I place bets, a lot of smaller bags in, in, in a lot of these different areas in the gaming sector, because there's so many gaming plays in the payment system. There's so many plays. You can't you can't get them all. So what you do is you say, okay, let me let me place a few bets of what I think is going to be good. And Hadera is certainly one of those that I've got a bet place. I certainly want to I want to have that horse in my stable, my friend. And we're going to talk about another exciting token here, guys. As XLM and IBM are confirmed to be creating a global payments network. I'm going to preface this. This is a 2021 article we're going to be rehashing here on Good Morning Crypto because I think these types of narratives are going to become very important during the bull run. And I'd love to hear from Gonzo, Mario, and Johnny on this article. Guys, throw a one in the live chat if you hold Stellar. Throw a two in the live chat if you do not. I'm interested to see how many of our listeners hold XLM as well. This is the update live, Mario. And I'm just going to move this camera. Here we go, boys. Stellar and XLM are creating a global payments network, at least according to IBM. They stated, we designed an original IBM world line to reduce the cost and friction of cross-border payments. Some insight into this new project? They're utilizing Stellar Lumens, which uses Lumens, aka XLM, as a bridge currency, essentially a unit of value for transfer of value across cost transactions. All money transactions in the Stellar network occur in the form of a credit issued by, an by anchors, so anchors act as a bridge between the existing currencies and the Stellar network. Anchors are entities that network participants trust to hold their deposits and issue credits into the Stellar network for deposits. Now, this is something they're using to revolutionize cross-border payments, right? It's almost a competitor to Ripple payments and what they've been developing. But I think it's relevant to this next bull cycle because when are the when these things pick up volume, when we see these ideas come to fruition and people start using them, that's when utility is going to enter this market. And so I just wanted to rehash this article very briefly and discuss it, Mario. What's your reaction? IBM and XLM, they're utilizing the technology once again, just like Franklin Templeton. They went right and, and started utilizing this stuff because of the ease of access. And that's what I think is so exciting. Yeah, uh, Abs, I think that this is another example of the type of developments that are happening with, with Stellar. And Stellar has been a, a project that has been very, very quiet over the last couple of years. There's, there hasn't been much, there's been development, but there hasn't been much marketing. And, you know, talking about that earlier with, with HBAR. And they've certainly changed that. Over the last few months, they, they've been putting more efforts and emphasis towards their marketing and they're doing a much better job at getting you know information about their developments and partnerships and everything that's going on with with their business and the network and i i definitely think it's one of the projects to keep an eye on going to the next bull run because i feel like they're doing that for a reason and 
whether they become kind of or they continue to be the competitor to XRP or to Ripple or they really are the brother and sister and one is doing one thing while the other one is focusing more on the other. I think there's tremendous potential for both. So, um, yeah, I think that, as you stated, I, uh, this IBM partnership is pretty big because it gives us a confirmation on, on the technology that Stellar is creating. And it's definitely one to keep an eye on for the next bull run. Gonzo, I want to get some thoughts from you. Oh, sorry, Johnny, floor is yours and we'll go to Gonzo. You know, what's more impressive about XLM is they're not out there doing anywhere near the level of pushing and working that you're seeing Ripple do but yet they're getting adopted. I told you, Abs, that's a very, very important sign. These companies are going out and finding them and leveraging without all the push. And, and again, I'm not surprised, right? Remember, that company was started by this guy right here. Everybody remember who the crypto Teflon Don is? I'm not going to tell you. That's a test. You got to write it in the chat. Who's the crypto Who's the crypto Teflon Don? Write it in the chat if you know his name. But he, you know, you have to understand that it's all about what you know, not who you know, the connections. I've always felt that in Stellar, there is something there happening in the background. And so, again, another one that I want to make sure I've got that horse in my stable because I really think while everybody's looking over here at XRP, you better be looking over here because I think XLM is going to sneak its way in the back door and you're going to find, again, I'm not, I've always said, I've always thought these systems would coexist. I still believe both will have a place to play in the world. I'm saying just don't give up on either one. Uh, but we talk so much and focus so much about XRP. And quietly, XLM is the one getting major adoption with big companies like Franklin Templeton and, and IBM. That's that's very significant. Gonzo, we got 448, sorry, 548 live listeners here. Show us some love and smash that like button. We are going to be addressing the live chat question at the end of the show. So if you're watching on YouTube, be sure to vote in that poll so we can pull it up in just a minute. But Gonzo, I did want to get your thoughts on this article too. Monero hit a five-month low after they're going to be delisted off of Binance. And I'm just going to read one paragraph and kick it to you. The decision to, de to delist Monero is based on various factors, including contribution to a healthy and sustainable crypto ecosystem, evidence of unethical or fraudulent conduct or negligence, and as well as responsiveness to Binance periodic due diligence requests from others. Well, who do you think is requesting that due diligence? I'm just going to scroll down to the bottom of the article and He's being prosecuted in two weeks, guys. So that's the United States government. Gonzo, give me some thoughts and we'll address the live chat poll. Yeah, it's really interesting because you know that the most regulated exchange now that they're on top of, their thumb is on them, is Binance. So if Binance is delisting things, it's going to mean something now, right? Because it's kind of giving us an indicator of where the government's at, right? Because they're kind of on top of them. Now, this is why it's important to do your own research and then kind of know what you're into, right? Because I don't know a lot about Monero, but if I if I was in Monero, I might be panic selling, right? Who knows? This could be a great opportunity where maybe it's just FUD and the price is being absolutely devastated and you want to take a position. I'm not saying that you should take a position. I don't know a lot about Monero, but this is why you need to know your research and know your projects. Because if you understand how Monero works and you understand that, you know what, this is just FUD, it's going to be okay, then you're probably buying more right? And you're waiting for this to bounce. Anytime you have something like this, where you have like a black swan, that's not normal. You get huge corrections, right? And then usually you get a bounce, but yeah. uh, we'll see, uh, you know, because the, the whole privacy thing is going to be an issue, right? W with all the, um, you know, money laundering laws and everything like KYC is where we're going, right? That's where they, they're going to want us to go. So, you know, they're, they're fighting an uphill battle when it comes to privacy. Mario, I wanted to get some thoughts from you about KYC as well, because you said something before the show that stuck out to me. So feel free to elaborate. 
yeah, look, I know this is not the popular opinion, but crypto in, and this is my, this is my opinion. I think crypto is going towards KYC and it's going to become not, not just more centralized in, in, in essence, right. But it's also going to have, in order for it to be regulated by, by governments, which we know that ultimately that's what they want, there's going to have to be KYC. And so I think that that's what we're seeing. I'm not surprised to see this out of Binance. I mean, Binance is severely under fire from, from, from the United States government. So I'm not surprised to see that they're delisting a privacy focused coin, but I think that most cryptocurrencies, I'm not, I, I still think there's probably going to be one or two. So I would, I would say Monero and Zcash will probably stick around, but the ones that want to comply, the ones that want to really grow and become part of this, uh, uh, like institutions and financial institutions, they're going to have to implement some KYCs in order to prevent like anti-money laundering, which is going to be better for investors in the long term. I know that it goes against the decentralized and kind of take the middle person and and not really have the government watching you. But unfortunately, we know that that's not what they want. That's not part of the agenda. So I think it's going to happen at some point. And guys, we're going to talk about the live chat poll right now, Johnny Crypto, but I'm going to throw up the Merlin thing because this is important as well. Which pair of crypto assets will have the highest percentage gains from today until December of 2025? And Gonzo, I'm actually going to start with you on this one. This is These are interesting results, right? Because obviously, first off is XRP and XLM. 61% of the live chat agree. Those are going to be the top performing assets. We had Chainlink and Soul come in second at 13%. Uh, HBAR and Quant had the same percentage at 13 and Bitcoin and Ethereum were last at 10%. And it's very similar to the narrative we hear often, which is Bitcoin and Ethereum are kind of like the safest with the, with the lowest ceiling, if that makes sense. Highest floor, lowest ceiling for those two assets. So the more risk averse you are, I think the less likely you're going to be to invest in something like Bitcoin or Ethereum. You're going to chase after a Chainlink or a Solana, some more emerging ecosystems that are 10% of the market cap. So there's no big surprises here, but this is another reason to have an exit plan. Whether you think it's quant, XRP, HBAR, Bitcoin, doesn't matter. If we go to your asset prices and we come crashing down and you didn't take profit, it doesn't mean anything. So you have to lock in profits, even if it's 1%, 2%, 0.1%. I think it's important to get in the habit of taking something off the table, preparing to hit the sell button because everyone who knows has been in this market for more than a couple of years. If you've never hit the sell button before, it's a mental cattle. It's a, it's a hurdle in your head. You can't hit it. You always think that you're, you know, you're going to hit the sell button and it's going to go up a billion percent the next day. That's why I'm an advocate for taking such a small amount of profit off the table. Even if it's 1%, even if it's 2%, that's what you should be doing guys. And you see the banner it's covering my beautiful face, but that's okay because it's 30 days, absolutely free. And that's why we're talking about it right now. So go check it out. Watch the uh, watch the videos we have posted on the Merlin channel as well. We show you how to create an exit plan. But Gonzo, I'd love for you to close out the show for today. What's your reaction to people? They're more optimistic on altcoins than they actually are on Bitcoin and Ethereum. Yeah, because usually that's where the ROI is, right? Like there was a time to be in Bitcoin and Ethereum. Look, Ethereum is going to do extremely well. Maybe we get a four or five X. Bitcoin's already gone on a run. Maybe we get another two or three X out of it. But people are chasing gains, right? More risk. And so I'm not surprised it's not it's XRP XLM because those prices are the most beat up. Like Solana's already done kind of like a 10x. It probably has another maybe 10x in it. So depending on when you got in, uh, XRP and XLM have been really really beat up. And so I think there's more room there for it to run. But you know we'll see. It all depends on when the Fed starts cutting rates and risk assets come back and they start going up. You're on mute. You're on mute. You're still on mute. <laughs> You're still on mute.
But anyway, thank you guys for showing up. Tomorrow we've got Mickey B. Fresh on the show live. As we always say, Warriors. <laughs>